open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Because Thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, Thy habitation. There shall be no evil befall Thee, neither shall any plague come nigh Thy dwelling. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and dragon shall Thou trample under feet. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Old Testament lesson for Invocabit is written in the third chapter of Genesis, beginning at the first verse. Now the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field which God had made. He said to the woman, Has God really said, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but not from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, you shall not touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You won't really die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. Then she gave some to her husband with her, and he ate it too. Their eyes were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They heard the Lord's voice walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The Lord said to the woman, What have you done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock, and above every animal of the field. You shall go on your belly, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. You will bear children in pain. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to your wife's voice, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. 
The ground is cursed for your sake. You will eat from it with much labor all the days of your life. It will yield thorns and thistles to you, and you will eat the herb of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your face, until you return to the ground, for you were taken out of it. For you are dust, and you shall return to dust. The man called his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of animal skins for Adam and for his wife, and clothed them. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the sixth chapter of the second epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the first verse. Brothers, working together, we entreat also that you do not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I listened to you. In a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no occasion of stumbling in anything, that our service may not be blamed, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God, in great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, in pureness, in knowledge, in perseverance, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as receivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was hungry afterward. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Then the devil took him into the holy city. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you don't dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not test the Lord your God. 
Again the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all these things, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and you shall serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and served him. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for he is gracious and merciful. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for he is gracious and merciful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not every year a blizzard cancels Ash Wednesday, but such is life in northwest Iowa. And so we're going from a blizzard on Wednesday, if you notice, to the desert of Judea this morning. Wednesday, we looked out the window, we saw snow fall, we saw ice covering the streets, the wind blowing snow, whispering in our ears, drifting the snow with drifts building higher and higher, the temperatures below zero, clouds blocking out the sun. That was Wednesday, and now today, you're given a window into the Judean de desert where Christ is alone. Where there's no water, only sand covering the land. Where there's wild animals roaming for prey. Where the heat is unbearable. Where there's not a cloud in the sky to block the scorching sun. Where the devil is whispering temptations into his ear. And so in a week we encounter two opposite extremes. One winter, the other, de the, other the desert. But if you notice something about both, they're both unrelenting. With one extreme cold, the other blistering heat that doesn't stop. With one snow that gets everywhere, the other sand that gets everywhere. With one wind with no end, the other with a scorching sun with no end. With one wind that encircles and attacks, and in the desert, with demonic beasts that circle their prey. Both extremes weaken the flesh. They break you down. They leave you on the brink of death when exposed to them. And if any one of us tried to brave this winter or the desert for 40 days, being exposed to it, we would break. It wouldn't take 40 days for us to break. But here is Christ sitting in the desert, fasting for 40 days in the elements as the devil watches his prey become weaker and weaker every day before he goes in for the kill. Now we prayed this morning, O Lord, mercifully hear our prayer. Now, just as we have endured in our, inside our warm homes, mind you, just as we have endured days and weeks and months of winter, so here in our reading is our Lord suffering days, weeks, and months in the desert, stricken by heat, smitten by hunger, afflicted by the day. It's not hard to imagine that he prayed what we prayed this morning. That in those 40 days, he prayed what we prayed, which was, Fatherly, Father, mercifully hear my prayer. Was Christ heard? Was there any mercy? 
Well, let's look at the text. Right after our Lord's baptism, it says in verse 1, that then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit takes the Lamb of God and throws him amongst wolves, amongst demons. Verse 2, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The biggest understatement of Scripture, after not eating for 40 days, he was hungry. He was weakened. He was famished. The demons, no doubt, saw Jesus when he was thrown into the wilderness by the Spirit. They, no doubt, encircled him the moment he stepped foot in the desert. But they waited. The demons waited 40 days. They watched their prey become weaker and weaker day by day. They heard the grumbles of his stomach growing louder. They saw the sweat drench his skin and clothes day after day. They saw his skin getting more and more burned from the sun. And they watched. And whatever paradise was like in Eden, what Christ was going through was the exact opposite. And what do you suppose our Lord was doing for 40 days out in the wilderness? No doubt he spoke the scriptures to himself that he had memorized. He prayed, he beseeched his father for food, for shelter, for an escape, for strength to confront the demonic wild beasts around him. And no doubt he most likely prayed this the very first day he was thrown out into the wilderness. He's thrown out there that day and the day closed without a sign of answer to his prayer. And again it happened the second day. He prayed, no answer. Seemingly no answer. He prayed for an entire week. Again, seemingly no answer. For an entire month, for 40 whole days, he prayed, and there never seemed to be a sign of an answer that was given. He just kept getting weaker and weaker and weaker. All that remained were the elements, the growing fatigue, the hunger, the sneer of the demons moving closer and closer in as he was imprisoned there in the desert. Now, we haven't had the wilderness. We've had an unrelenting winter, cold winds, ice, snow, and such. And, the hit, and we hear all of it when we go to bed at night. We lay in our beds. You can hear the wind howl most nights. Now, imagine, instead of being in your warm bed, that you're outside for 40 days alone in this weather. It would be misery. And that is, why, that is what Christ went through. Instead of the cold that we've had, it's the desert, the heat. And even if you just think about being exposed to that for 40 days, it's enough to make you squirm when you realize what it does to your body. It's enough to make you, th make, enough to make you squirm to just think about the discouragement you'd feel of praying day after day with seemingly no answer for days. And that's really what it's about. Yes, you could say physically it's torture, but it's not about just the extreme elements. It's not just that we would die from exposure for 40 days. It's more than that. It's that the prayers seemingly go unanswered in our time. We want the prayers answered in our time. When we're suffering, that's when we want the prayers answered. And when it's not seemingly answered, doubt creeps in, unbelief creeps in. That's what such suffering of the flesh can do. It can reveal the heart. 
It can reveal where our fear, love, and trust is placed because more unrelenting than the elements outside are the flesh, the world, and the devil. Which is why the devil, when our Lord was at his weakest moment on the, after the 40th day, that's when the devil attacks. Verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. That's not really much of a temptation in our culture, is it? Turn these stones into bread. Our culture prides itself in excess and gluttony. It wouldn't take anywhere near 40 days of fasting before we in our culture would turn a stone into bread. It wouldn't even take one day or one missed meal for us to fall for this temptation. It would just take a mild inconvenience. That would be enough for our flesh to jump into this temptation. Such is our culture. Yet even for those who don't follow the culture, for those who do fast, how many of, uh, how many of us could resist such a temptation of giving ourselves, being the source of our own food, of turning stones into bread? How many of us could resist that temptation after just a few days of fasting? And now imagine it's more than fasting, because Christ went through more than fasting. It's hungering through hardships, through beatings, through imprisonments, through sleepless nights. Fast through all those things and have the temptation there of turning stone into bread under your own power. And what would we do? Our flesh wouldn't hold out. It would crave to let go of the trust in God to provide for us. And instead, it wants to rely on ourselves to provide meager food that lasts for a moment. Then the devil goes on in verse 5. The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will take you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The temptation here is one of unrelenting pride before the unrelenting world. If Christ would have jumped, the entire city of Jerusalem would have seen him. And think of how people would have marveled at such a sight as angels catching him and lifting him up. It's pride. It's an idolatry of ourselves to think we can test God before the world and show the world how God does our bidding so that the world will love us. That's the temptation, is to grasp that instead of trusting Him and receiving from Him as He provides, even when the world hates us. Such temptations don't have to be so dramatic as throwing yourself from a building. Perhaps instead you're sick, clearly sick, but you refuse to go to the doctor because you think God will miraculously heal you. Maybe He will, but He doesn't promise it. And after all, didn't He give you a doctor for these times? Perhaps you take your paycheck and you waste it on junk, thinking God will still take care of me even if I don't have money. Perhaps he will, but didn't he give you money for food? Or worse, perhaps you carry the guilt of a heavy sin and think, well, I prayed about it, I just need to get over it. But didn't God give you a pastor to hear your confession and absolve you when the guilt is too great to bear? 
Or perhaps you spent time walking around spiritually lonely, spiritually famished and fatigued, yet still you refuse to go to church for one week or many weeks because you think, I'm, I'm baptized, I'm good. Yes, you're baptized. And along with that, didn't God give you the church for nourishment in His Word? Spiritual food for when you're famished? And fellowship for when you're alone? We may be test, we may try to, we may be tempted to test God in jumping, thinking, oh, the angels will catch me if I jump. But if we're tempted to test God in that way, it's because our pride doesn't let us see that He gave us stairs to get down safely. We detest His ordinary means. So we test God with a twisted sense of thinking He will command His angels concerning you. Scripture's not wrong, but our pride abuses it. Then again, the third temptation. In verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And here it is, the unrelenting devil with his highest temptation. The temptation for immediate glory and rejection of any and all suffering. The temptation to reject God's word to define good and evil for us so that we can define good and evil in our own eyes. To do what is good in our own eyes. The temptation to be not as God created us as his creatures, but to be as we want to be in our own lusts and desires. So maybe you're married today, but tomorrow you want to be divorced. In which case the devil says, take the world, go for it. Or if you want to be a man, or a woman, or a child, or a victim, go for it, the devil says. Here's the world, it's yours. Be whatever you want to be today. If you want to isolate yourself from the needy neighbor by never leaving your comfortable home, go ahead, do it, take the world. If you want to forever hate your brother instead of going to him and forgiving him, fine, don't suffer, take the world, the devil says. The temptation is for whatever gives you glory right now and avoids suffering at all costs. That's the unrelenting temptation of the devil. The temptation is, why deny yourself and pick up your own cross when you can be your true self? The temptation works, by the way. Don't think it doesn't. Because we've seen people leave the church in droves because we preach that marriage is one man and one woman. That gender is sex. Sex is gender, which is how God created you and does not change. That God created the family as father and mother to give a home to the children that God blesses upon it. We preach that He is the God of justice no matter how others try to redefine what justice is as social justice or whatever. People want the world to define it for themselves. The devil knows what he's doing in this temptation. He knows just how to attack, how to take advantage of our pride. And he will attack you when you are at your weakest. And he's more unrelenting than the extreme weather. 
The weather eventually changes with the seasons, but the devil doesn't stop. The flesh, the world, and the devil are the flesh, the world, and the devil are always after us in the desert, which is this world. And through it all we pray, O Lord, mercifully hear our prayer. And with that we prayed, mercifully hear our prayer and stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to defend us from them that rise up against us. Does he hear this? Does he answer? Look at the text. What do you see? It's our Lord in the desert, weak from the unrelenting heat and the unrelenting hunger and fatigue, battling the unrelenting devil. And in that weakness, in that weakness, we see God stretching out the right hand of His majesty, showing His power and defending us. Because look how Christ responds every time. To the first temptation, he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And to the second temptation, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And to the last temptation, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. You see, the only thing more unrelenting than the flesh, the world, and the devil are the fear, love, and trust that the Son has in the Father. Does God answer our prayer? Here's Christ showing God's power, showing that where we have failed, Christ was perfect. Where we doubt, Christ trusted purely in the Father and the Word given to Him. Because the only thing more powerful than the devil is the Word of God, which Christ used in, used in prayer, and what He used to make the devil flee. He trusted in the Father. He trusted in the Word. And that trust never wavered. No matter how hungry, famished, fatigued he was. And this is the same fear, love, and trust that the Son had even on the cross. Where again on the cross, our Lord found himself in the wilderness of the cross. Where he was alone there, hanging there without food or drink. Where the demons encircled him on the cross like dogs as blasphemies and insults were thrown at him. Where the unrelenting wrath of the Father was poured down on him from above, worse than any scorching sun. Where our Father, not our Father, but where our Lord died for all our doubts. Where we doubted he was perfect and then he died for all of our doubts. For he died for all our sin when we give in to the flesh, the world, and the devil because unbelief creeps in on us and we doubt the Father will provide. For that, Christ died for our sin. On the cross where our Lord cried to the Father in heaven without there seeming to be an answer there on Good Friday as he breathed his last and died where in death our Lord defeated the devil again. He defeated him in the wilderness and defeated him on the cross again. But this time he doesn't tell him be gone. He crushes the head of the serpent so that the serpent can't flee this time from the wrath to come. Does the Lord answer our prayer? Look in the desert. Look on the cross. Not only did the Father hear our prayer, the majesty of his right hand is on full display right here. What about the Son? 
Did the Father hear the Son when he called in the desert, when he called on the cross? Did the Father answer the Son, rescue him, honor him? And the text tells us, the very last verse of the gospel, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And the angels weren't feeding him with mere bread, but with the bread of heaven. And likewise, on the third day, the Father, having heard the prayers of the Son, we see the Son was raised in the glory of the Father. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayer and stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to defend us from them that rise up against us. The Father answered our prayer in the Son being victorious in the wilderness, on the cross, in the resurrection. He answers our prayer also in baptism, wherein the blood and the waters poured on us, we enter the open side of our Lord. We enter his body. That's what we do in baptism. We enter his body. And in his body, we are given shelter from the heat. In his body, we are given a shadow in which to hide from the evil lurking outside. In his body, our Lord is a mighty fortress. He's our defense from the demonic armies that unrelentingly attack. In his body, no evil will befall us there. No plague of sin will come near our tent. In his body, we see the feet trample the adder, trample the serpent underfoot. In baptism, in the blood and water, we have entered the refuge of his body. That refuge, that fortress is his church. And here in the church, when we pray together in our hunger, he does not leave us to fast. He feeds us instead with his very body and blood so that we are strengthened to resist and endure the unrelenting attacks. During Lent, we may sacrifice in giving alms. We may pray more intently. We may fast. But that's only so we can train ourselves. Train ourselves in clinging to the power of the Word so we can bring ourselves every Sunday into the body of Christ, which is our refuge. So we can break our fast every week here in Lent, not with mere bread, but with the bread of angels, the bread of heaven. So having heard his word today, being together gathered in his body, let us in just a moment break our fast, our Lenten fast, and today come and eat and drink together in the church which is his refuge. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us, in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, 
in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send them help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. 
My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say, more than they watch for the morning. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayer, and stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to defend us from them that rise up against us. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all harm and danger. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen.